I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Hello, welcome to Jewel Says. I'm Julie. If you have anything you'd like to share or ask, you can email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. I just got back from two weeks in Sarnia. I was dog-sitting for my dear friends Robin and Bernie. One of the things I like about being in Sarnia for a visit is there are quite a few people there who I love, who I love to catch up with. So while I was there dog-sitting, I did take the opportunity to catch up with some friends I don't very often get a chance to see. One of my friends shared that her daughter is planning on relocating with her husband and three young children thousands of miles away. She's heartbroken, but as she was telling me, she said she also felt a little guilty about being heartbroken because she's been so lucky to have been able to live close to her daughter and her grandchildren since since they were babies. And I've always lived thousands of miles from my grandchildren. So she felt a bit guilty for feeling sorry for herself. But, you know, it's not the same, I assured her. Of course, I'd love to see my grandchildren more often, but I've never lived close to them, so this is my normal. I completely understand why she's so upset. I'm sure this will be hard on her daughter and the little ones, too. I have a feeling that her daughter doesn't quite realize how much she'll miss having her mom close by, and of course the little ones are going to miss having their granny terribly. But children are remarkably adaptable. I did suggest to her that this is an opportunity for her to start a pen pal relationship with her grandchildren. They can write letters and draw pictures and send them back and forth. Young children really do love getting mail. But it also got me thinking about moving, a big move, how hard it can be on the children, school-aged children in particular, but also how hard it can be on their parents. I've had friends before who worried about relocating their children, how they'd adapt to a new city, a new school, and it's it's an understandable concern, and I think it's very nice of them to think about their children before making that kind of a decision. I moved to Sarnia a month after my 16th birthday, and it was really hard for me. It was difficult for my mother, too. I at least moved here and went to school, so I had a shot at making friends. Not that I 
did make a lot of friends. But I think it was kind of worse in a way for Dorothy, even though she wasn't school age. We had lived in Kitchener for probably, I don't know, I think 10 years when we were told we would be moving to Sarnia. Before that, we seemed to move back and forth between Kitchener and Toronto. So we were always kind of in the same area. We had roots in Kitchener. Kitchener is a very short drive to my mother's mom and other extended family in Toronto. And far-flung family members flew into Toronto, people from L.A. or Vancouver, Calgary, even if they didn't stay in Toronto for the whole visit. And it was easy for them to come visit in Kitchener from Toronto. Some people commute daily between Kitchener and Toronto, so that's how close it is. Maybe an hour and a half each way, depending on how deep into the city you live. Dorothy didn't consistently work full-time back then, so Ted was the official breadwinner, as was the norm in 1975, and he was a good provider financially. He was quite successful. And I don't think it even occurred to my mother to question the move. In the 70s, I think generally a wife just went where her husband told her to go. At the time, Ted had been working in Sarnia for a while before we moved. He was doing business with people there, and he loved the lifestyle. At that age, I was aware he was working out of town, but I'm pretty sure I never really paid attention to where. It's not as though I missed him. It was actually more peaceful having him away during the week. So when I was told we were moving to Sarnia, I honestly had no idea where it was. I'm serious. Absolutely no idea. Dorth must have known where it was, but she didn't know anyone there, and I certainly didn't know anyone there. Whatever, I thought. I did have a boyfriend at that time who I liked but ended up breaking up with not too long after the move, and I had friends, but I had started making some bad choices. Some of my friends were kind of, I don't know, drifting, maybe directionless. My best friend had already moved away and quit school. I was kind of miserable myself, and I thought, well, maybe moving will be a fresh start for me. Maybe I'll do better if I move away. I could see that my mother wasn't thrilled with uprooting her own life in Kitchener, but what could she do anyway? She didn't have a job, or at least she didn't have the kind of job that could support a family and and enable her to actually say, no, I'm not going. So Sarnia it was. Now, there may be families who take the teens to a new city to check it out, look at some homes. I don't know what other people do. Whatever your own family does always feels like the norm. And that's not something our family did. When that March day in 1976 arrived, the movers had packed all our stuff. Doroth drove with my younger brother and I went with Ted. My older siblings had already moved out by then. This was a tense silent drive. Ted wasn't chatty at the best of times, and I certainly wasn't chatty with him. The main highway, the 402, had not been built yet, so the drive was a little longer than the three hours it is today. It felt so far away. And I'll never forget the powerful smell of sulfur that hit me as we approached town on London Line. It was like a a putrid wall of rotten eggs. What is that? I asked Ted. Chemical Valley. Okay, 
I had no idea what the hell Chemical Valley was, but I think the only other thing he said was, South Wind. Gross. I just want to say here that the air does not smell like that anymore. I know that Sarnia has been noted as being the cancer capital of Canada in the past, but environmental standards work, and the environmental standards in Sarnia have vastly improved since then. You don't get that in the air anymore, but that's what it was like in 1976. We stopped at a restaurant on the way into town called the Old Country Steakhouse and had a silent meal. I don't know, maybe Ted was trying to do something nice, or maybe he just wanted a steak. I have no idea, but I was not in the habit of spending time alone with him, so we ate. If I ate at all. I don't recall. I was starving myself back then. We ate in awkward silence. I don't remember much else about the move other than we started out in a rented house on Lakeshore Road. They didn't want to buy until they had been there for a bit. I have a feeling Dorothy had negotiated at least this tiny little hope of an exit strategy. The neighborhood we moved into was lovely, though. The house was a short walk from the beach of Lake Huron. Truly gorgeous. The Great Lakes are so massive that when you're on the shoreline, you feel as though you're looking out at the ocean, but it's all fresh water. The skyline is just water. I had never lived near water, so that was nice, even though the beach tended to be quite rocky and the water barely warmed up enough to swim in by the middle of summer. And when there's a north wind, the waves get a bit wild. Not wild enough to surf, but enough to slam you to the bottom and pull you out with an undertow. I do love that beach. Big points for Sarnia for that. I finished my first school year at a school that was not within walking distance. It was called Skits, Sarnia Collegiate Technical School. It was the only school in Sarnia that offered Spanish, and I was mid-Spanish credit when we moved and figured it didn't make sense to give it up. Ted dropped me off in the morning before work. More long silences in the car. I really did crave some independence. Well, talk about a culture shock. Skits was in a very old building, which was fine. But the thing that amazed me was there were boys literally climbing over and around desks and climbing out the windows in the main floor classrooms, loudly guffawing, ignoring the teacher who had clearly given up trying to control this unruly group. He just talked in front of the class as though none of this was happening. I was astonished. And I was annoyed. I had never experienced anything like it. I nervously walked down the hall to the washroom, where I was greeted with billowing clouds of smoke. Of course, smoking wasn't allowed indoors, but it seemed to me that everyone did it anyway, and there were no consequences. What the actual fuck was this place? I was not a particularly studious good girl. One of my brothers regularly referred to me as a smoking hoser. I had skipped class, didn't consistently finish homework, and I rarely studied. I was pretty much disengaged from school life entirely, but this? This was a whole new level of no fucks to give. When I walked into the washroom, one of the girls asked me if I had a squiggly wiggly. Pardon me? A squiggly wiggly? She laughed. This is the girl's washroom, she said. 
You can't come in here if you have a squiggly wiggly. Oh, okay. I kind of dreaded the time between classes. Where would I go? What would I do? There was a cafeteria, so I figured I'd go there the first week and just mind my own business. But I hadn't anticipated the gauntlet of boys. They lined the hallway to the cafeteria entrance and called out insults or jokes or whatever to anyone who dared pass. And I was an outsider, a natural target. As I walked by, one of them started singing, Here she comes, Miss America. Then a few others joined in and laughed. I tried to ignore them. I figured it was best to feign confidence, you know? Then, Hey, are you a northern bitch? Northern bitch? I had no idea what that was supposed to mean. Just keep walking, Julie. Hey, are you a northern bitch? Finally, I figured I'd better respond. No, I said, still having no idea what a northern bitch was. I'm from out of town, which elicited gales of laughter, which I did not expect. Ooh, I'm from out of town. Where do you live anyway? Lakeshore Road. I didn't want to be too specific. Ooh, she's a rich bitch. Lakeshore Road. Go back to northern, bitch. What? How could they? I was a badass. I was not some high-maintenance princess. How dare they insinuate otherwise? At some point, I finally figured out that Sarnia has this weird... Well, maybe they don't have it anymore. It had this weird class divide, which was completely foreign to me. It was this North End-South End thing. Northern was the high school in the North End, and Skits? South End. <laughs> So that was it. I avoided the cafeteria and those boys for the rest of the year. Thankfully, this would only last until June. I In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Spent that summer finishing my lifeguard swim instructor certification and going to the beach. It was actually kind of nice. I didn't even have a job that summer. My parents bought a house in the center of town, and in September, I started the 11th grade at a different school called, appropriately, Central. Congratulations, Sarnia, on your school board's creative naming ability. Things felt more normal at Central, and though I still pretty much kept to myself and was definitely an outsider, at least I didn't feel as though I was a complete freak. And of course, as everyone knows, 16-year-old girls are always incredibly welcoming to a new girl at their school. <laughs> of course they're not. So my fresh start was turning out to be an effort to maintain my I-don't-give-a-shit attitude. The problem is, 
It was false. Deep down, I did give a shit. Meanwhile, my mom had started going out more. She figured if you can't lick them, join them. And we were old enough, so she tried valiantly to have fun and establish meaningful friendships. But at home, she would always tell me she was going to move back to Toronto someday. She started confiding in me more, I think because I was 16, I was older, and she was away from her real friends. This was around the time I learned about her abortion in England. She told me about women my dad was banging, stuff like that, you know. She and I were tight, and we were united in our common status of not belonging here. We would leave someday. We didn't know how or when, but we would leave. It turned out that the reason, well, I don't know, I think this this is purely conjecture in hindsight, but I genuinely think my dad moved us to Sarnia because he had formed a particularly appealing and fun old boys boozing club while working in Sarnia, and he didn't want to give it up. He loved it there. He had his local bar and restaurant in a hotel that was within walking distance from his office. He was a businessman, a pencil pusher, as he called himself. He would go to the office, have a few Manhattans at lunch every day. Well, maybe not every day. He did come home for lunch sometimes, at least in later years. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did sometimes. Maybe back then he didn't as much. I, I don't actually know. But after work, he would meet up with his cronies at the hotel, and they would have a few drinks, which really does sound like fun. I'm not going to lie. And often my mom would meet up with him, and they'd go to the hotel restaurant and have dinner, drinks, after dinner, drinks. Then when he got home, he'd finish almost a 40-ounce of rye. Rye meaning Canadian whiskey. That was the routine. He had always been a nightly drinker, but it seems to me once he was in Sarnia, maybe the lunch and the after work at the hotel may have escalated. Or it's possible I was just more aware of it because Mum would confide in me how much his monthly hotel bills were. More than a lot of people's mortgage payments back then. But still, I knew I didn't belong. The problem is, it's hard to change something when you base your life's choices on fear. I was afraid to do anything about it. And even though we spent 10 years in Kitchener... I think because my mom was originally from Toronto, and that's really where most of our family lived, and I was born there too. Toronto was the goal. I never really pined to go back to Kitchener. I made one good friend at Central, Debbie. She made the effort to be my friend. She was gorgeous, with big brown eyes and brown curly hair that cascaded down her shoulders and back. She still looks like that. And she was not afraid to do what she wanted. She introduced me to a bunch of older guys, and before I knew it, one of them, the controlling high school dropout who was actively opposed to education, was my boyfriend. The main problem with my choice was that I didn't really choose him. He was the only one who expressed an interest. I guess I was vulnerable, and I was flattered. But it's a mistake to go out with someone just because they're interested in you. You... You really should only go out with someone because you like them. But that didn't even factor into it for me at the time. I started going out with him because I was flattered and I was surprised that he was interested in me. What made me so incredibly stupid at that age? I mean, he wasn't years and years older, only three years, 
but it seemed like a lot because when I started seeing him, he hadn't been in high school for three or four years, and I was only in the 11th grade. And I just, I went along with whatever he said, whatever he wanted, which is so stupid. But I, uh, I, it sounds like I'm making excuses. I was unhappy at home. And as soon as I finished high school, I decided I would get a job at the bank so I could save up to live on my own. But it wasn't hard for me to decide to move in with him once I was 18 and had a full-time job. He was also pressuring me all the time. I was chatting with one of my nieces not that long ago about the challenges of earning enough money to live on your own and how, how you probably need roommates to afford it and how hard it can be to get along with roommates. And even, even that can be a challenge, money-wise. And she said, well... You moved out to live with your boyfriend, though. And I think in her mind, she assumed that I just moved out and he looked after everything. It's true that I moved out to live with my boyfriend, but financially, he was still just like any other roommate. I still had to pay my half of everything. The only difference is we shared a room, and because I was a woman, well, barely a woman, I did all the shopping, cooking, cleaning, and laundry, so he ended up getting a maid in the process. It wasn't such a great deal for me, and I traded being criticized by my father for being criticized by my boyfriend. I should have found the courage to get out sooner, but it just wasn't in me. I was a pleaser. I was easy to dominate when I was young, and I genuinely didn't believe what I wanted really mattered. After Dorothy's mom passed away, she wanted to buy Nan's house in Toronto, but her siblings didn't want her to. I don't understand why. She could have used her one-quarter share of the property as the down payment and mortgaged the rest. She could have rented it out until she was ready to move to Toronto, but she didn't. She didn't want to upset her brothers and sister. Ted offered to form a numbered company to buy the house, but Dorothy just felt that would have been underhanded. But I think she was afraid to make a move, too. She and I were alike that way. We wanted something, but we were too afraid to actually make it happen. Chicken shit, ruled by what we thought other people expected of us. Oh my God, please don't do that. Life runs away with you too fast, and before you know it, you're either old or dead. But I finally found the courage at 19 to leave that first guy, but it took me less than a year to move in with the next one. Why? Basically because he talked me into it. It doesn't make financial sense for us to have separate apartments, he argued. In retrospect, he was so wrong. I was so much better off living on my own. I remember his mother saying to me, I would not be cooking and cleaning for some man who wasn't my husband. But that wasn't really the point. I was raised to believe that 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 was my responsibility, so I did it. And I didn't want him to be my husband. But again, the disrespect, the control, clearly that was my pattern. When I left him, I had finally decided, this is it. I am quitting my job and moving to Toronto. I was going to stay with my brother for a bit until I got my own place. I had a job potentially lined up at a restaurant. This was it. I was going to give it a shot. Hopefully I'm not too old yet. Maybe I can find an agent, get some auditions, take some courses, live in the city. But I chickened out again. 
What makes you think you can do this, Julie? You're short. You're stocky. You're not pretty enough. You're not talented. You have no training. This is what my self-talk had become. Well, this is what my self-talk had always been. It just hadn't gotten any better. So I bailed. I married the girl's father, and once I did that, and especially once I had my children, I knew I would live wherever their father said we would live. I worked at the same company for 28 years. Don't get me wrong, I loved being my daughter's mother. But that monster occasionally still screamed at me, You don't belong here! My mother had loaned me a dining room set she had bought from a staged apartment when she worked as a property manager. I'm not giving it to you, she insisted. You can use it until I move to Toronto. When Dorothy passed away before she could move, that's when it hit me how short life truly is. I didn't want to die unhappy, and I knew I would have to go before I died. And when my baby Carrie left home, the time had finally come. It's not you, Sarnia. It's me. It was always me. It's irrational, and I'm pretty sure I passed that down to my children, too. But I'm home now. I belong here. I love visiting Sarnia, but I feel a sense of peace whenever I come home, whenever I, whenever I hit the QEW and I can see the busyness of the city. Would I have made different or better choices if I had stayed in Kitchener? Probably not. I was already an unhappy little girl, already on the path to making bad choices for myself. And my supposed fresh start in Sarnia didn't change anything at all. I probably would have just married someone else and had different children. God forbid! The children I have couldn't be any more perfect for me. So even though the road didn't go the way I I might have thought it was going to, I'm ever so grateful for my girls. And for their babies. So thank you, Ted, for moving us to Sarnia. Who knew it would be the best thing that could have happened to me? And thank you for listening. Please share, rate, review on whatever platform you use. I might not see it, but others will. And, of course, if you have anything you'd like to share or ask, email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. I always hear credits listed at the end of podcasts, so I thought this week, for a change, I'll list the Jules Says credits. Jules Says is written by Julie McCarthy. Recorded by Julie McCarthy. Produced by Julie McCarthy. Music by Julie McCarthy. Editing and mastering Julie McCarthy. Have a wonderful week.